You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. We at Represent would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional owners on the land on which Sin operates, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sin Media respectfully acknowledges their ancestors and elders, past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches. Sovereignty has never been ceded, it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I haven't flip-flopped. I said no originally, then I said yes, then I have said no and I've stuck to it. Represent. You're listening to represent. You're back with Mimi and Bridie. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lovely Friday afternoon. Yeah, it's so nice out. It's it was such so nice, nice yesterday. Weather. Like I know it was really, really cold in the morning, but it, it was, was so sunny in the yeah. day. But then like today I went outside after school and I was like, oh my God, it's sunny. It's warm. I was really hot though. I always layer up. So I was in like yeah. four layers being like, oh, I'm sweating now. I've been inside all day at work, so I didn't know that it was sunny. And George isn't with us today because he's at Splendor in the rain <laughs> not in and the, the sun. <laughs> Definitely not in the sun. Um, so today, um, we've kind of got a got a pretty. I'm pretty excited for the show. I feel yeah, like we've got some interesting I think topics. Interesting topics as well. Yeah, I'm going to be talking about um, Scott Morrison's sermon mm. at the Pentecost- <laughs> Pentecostal Church in Perth. And what have you got for us, Bridie? I've got abortion, um, kind of focusing on America, but also, you know, there's stuff going on We've got to here. bring it home. We've got to bring home, exactly. And there's a little bit about just sort of the world, and but that's more about that contraception access. Um, and I'm also going to chat a little bit about Russia and Ukraine, because we haven't really talked yeah, about that much Yeah, we've kind of left lately. them alone a bit. Yeah. We just did it too much in season one, and we're, yeah. like, we're done. Because I mean, we, we always talk about it about like inflation as well mm. so yeah okay lovely um bridie is gonna take us away with yeah. russia and ukraine we're gonna chat about russia and ukraine so apart from all of the you know heat wave chaos in europe there's also still a war going on which is causing havoc literally everywhere um you know money wise but um i read an interesting article on the bbc today um that mi6 the boss of MI6, or well, I think it's actually called the like secret intelligence service mm. or the special intelligence service or something. Do you remember the kids' show MI5? Yeah, <laughs> and even I still think sometimes that it's actually called MI5 and not MI6. Yeah, and they would go down <laughs> the like, elevators at school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Sorry, um, so he, the boss of MI6, um, Richard Moore, is at a security forum in Aspen, Colorado. <laughs> oh, um, do some skiing as well. Yeah, exactly. In 
the height of summer. Oh, true. Snow winter there. <laughs> um, and he's said that our assessment, our being MI6, is that the Russians will find it increasingly difficult to find manpower and material over the next few weeks. Um, he, he said that they will have to pause in some way and that will give the Ukrainians opportunities to strike back. Now, I thought that was really, really interesting because the war, while it hasn't been a resounding Russian victory, um, you know, it, it's not like Ukraine's been super kind of in the battle. You know, they've just sort of been very much on the back foot defending their territory. Mm. I also don't really get why spy agencies like the CIA or ASIO or MI6 just tell everyone their intelligence. Don't you think? Like, yeah. It's a bit weird. True. Um, yeah, that yeah. is so strange. I didn't really think about it that way, but yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be a secret service. Exactly. What's the point of a secret service if you're just telling everyone? <laughs> but also, I totally get behind that. Awesome. So. Mm, we love, well, that's why I loved the sermon that we're going to talk about later. Yeah. Just, we just it's got like a whole good bunch show. of <laughs> So he also said that around half of Russia's spies in Europe so around 400, have been expelled from continental Europe, which is making them harder or making it harder for Russia to do espionage. Hmm. I love calling it espionage. (laughs) Um, The idea of being a spy. I know. Crazy. I can't believe there are real people who are real spies. I know. And, like, it's weird that, like, we'll actually never know one. Exactly. Because you might, but if they're actually a good spy, they're not ever going to tell you. Yeah. What no. do you think happens? Sorry, this is no, such no, a side track. What do you think happens if your partner's a spy? Like, do you get to know? I don't know. Because you know they're got. Like, where would you know where they're going to work? I don't know because I remember being really curious about this at one point a couple of years ago, um, and looking it up. And like, you actually can't tell like anyone. Like, you're supposed to have this whole cover story that just like checks out perfectly. And I'm like, how does that even work? That's I crazy. just don't get it. I'd love to be on my, like, if you were a spy in your deathbed, a deathbed with your confession. partner being like, I was a spy. Yeah. <laughs> but then I would be like, well, tell me everything and they'd die. But... Yeah. Anyway, another bit of a fun fact, which is kind of irrelevant, but the US Deputy Attorney General said that they think they found a Fabergé egg on a Russian oligarch's yacht. Hmm. Which I thought was a bit crazy. That is crazy. Anyway. (laughs) Now, it may be an optimistic assessment by MI6. So the Ukrainian officials have said that Western aid is taking too long to arrive. And so, like, it just might not happen. You know, this idea of Russia running out of steam just might be a bit fanciful. And he also said that, well, he, he being... Richard Moore, also said that the West should support Ukraine because Xi Jinping is watching like a hawk. And that's his words, not mine. Mm. Um, so as we know, I do love a bit of chat about China. I find it so interesting. Um, he said it was too early to know what conclusions China would draw from um, Russia's invasion. And I also read that Japan has released an annual defense report saying that basically it's worried about Russia and its potential nuclear threats. So there's a lot of submarine, Russian nuclear submarine activity around Japan. And also that it's noticed an uptick in Taiwan's self-defense measures. Mm. And a little bit more in Ukraine is that a deal about its grain exports um, securing passage through the Black Sea will be signed by Ukraine, Russia, Turkey and the UN today at some point but today in turkey time mm-hmm. not sure what the time difference is there yeah wow there's a lot to unpack it is a lot my first <laughs> thought was when you were talking about um the 
um, potential nuclear threats. Take this with an absolute grain of salt because I have no factual evidence (laughs) to back me up on this. I just saw it on TikTok. But (laughs) I saw a video on TikTok of this um, American like new uh, infomercial kind of news program thingy doing like a what to do in a nuclear threat. Oh my God. It was so weird. It was like a, I mean, it was like a government instruction video kind of vibe. But like not by the government. No, no. no. That does seem a bit like fear mongering really. It was weird. And she was like the three, it was like, like, you know how they do slogans and stuff? Yeah. It was like three things you need to know. It was like, it was like get inside, wait inside and like something else Stay inside. Yeah, get inside, wait inside, (laughs) stay inside. I literally think it was that. But like, I was going, God, that's like bleak ass. That is bleak. And I didn't know if it was actually real, if it was just some kind of silly thing. Just, yeah, doing it for the lols. Yeah. Satire or whatever. Mm, That's interesting. It was interesting. Um, Yeah, like, did you see the um, stuff about the energy too with Ukraine? How there's they're like oh with like Germany and yeah pipeline with the yeah yeah I don't know that much about the a Nord Stream gas thing yeah I I feel like it's so complex for Germany to deal with because they've become so reliant on Russia for this all this gas but we're all I think we're all feeling like the yeah under the pump and I'm not sure like I'm not sure about I don't understand why um this Richard Moore MI6 agent thinks that they will have to pause Russia? Like, why? Yeah, he doesn't I'm really give yeah, a reason. He doesn't, no, neither of, well, not neither, but none of the articles that I've read said quite why, and I couldn't find a transcript of his speech, which was what I was really looking for. But, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Because at the moment, I feel like we're the ones who need to, well, not stop, but, like, we're the ones who are really, like, waiting for that pause, and I just don't think it all. yeah happen because i feel like they've been kind of saying stuff like Russia's and i think they know how much pressure they're putting on every single country like why yeah they stop they yeah so much power hmm. interesting mm. food for thought let's go straight into it so yesterday morning mm-hmm. i woke up did you <laughs> and i listened to the abc news daily as i always do when it's you approaching. do you always come in with a little quote oh i had this in the abc news daily i know because <laughs> i will i always listen to it the few days before we do our show yeah fair enough. i'm like i need to catch up on what's going on because i actually don't look at the news every day i'm, I'm not see i sort of like read it and I'm I'm not really a I mean I'm literally sitting here talking on a radio on the podcast. I know, and I'm not really I a feel. podcast kind of girl. <laughs> I don't really listen no, to them. Neither do I. Actually, but the last couple of weeks one. I've been listening to what I've prepped a segment for. So. Yeah, I find them easy. I find it easier to um, especially ABC News Daily. <laughs> I find that they set everything up so clearly. It's oh, easier to find information than like reading an article. I feel sometimes. Mm, yeah. Um, anyway, I've got yeah, to back say on track. that this episode that they did was really interesting mm-hmm. and it was about Scott Morrison and a sermon that he did at a Pentecostal church in Perth. And did I read that it was Margaret Court's yes, church? it yeah. is Margaret okay. Court's church. I was worried I'd just made that up. But no, no okay, that's I was good. getting to that. Good. Um, 
the contents of the speech, and I, it was hard to find an objective phrase to describe it. Right. I said it was illuminating. Oh, I like it. Um, I was shocked. Really? I was seriously yes, so surprised. Was I. So was I. Um, now, a bit of pre-context, a bit of... What sort of disclaimer? Like a, not a, a disclaimer. I was going to say trigger warning, but I was like, it's no, not no, a trigger, it's trigger warning, but a disclaimer. Um, the speech goes for 50 minutes. It's a long speech. I know. It reminds me of going to, like, school. Because I went to a Catholic school. Oh, so we no, had like some assemblies. Of yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it went for 50 minutes. And obviously the parts that are going to be, like, thrown around in the media are always the most controversial, mm. like, juicy, gossipy <laughs> parts that me and Bridie love. Yeah. So it's important to keep in mind that we are talking about very small segments of a very mm. big speech. Yeah. Um, but the reason I think it's important that we talk about it is because Scott Morrison wasn't Prime Minister that long ago. Oh, two months. Two months. So this, I think, still holds... I think he still holds a lot of um, relevance and influence. And influence. Well, relevance. <laughs> I think... Well, no, I still think a bit he out does. of the... He's kind of kept out of the spot, I think, intentionally, probably. Yeah, but I think so. I said, uh, "What do do you think he holds influence still?" Yeah, definitely. I mean, even if we don't know about it, there's definitely people that would still be loyal to him in the Liberals. I think, Mm. even though he led them to a resounding defeat. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's important that we do kind of keep an eye on his words. Mm, Definitely. definitely. Any former Prime Minister. We all still read about John Howard and Mm. even Paul Keating. Kevin (laughs) O'Seven. You better believe it. Um, So a bit of context. It was the 27th birthday of um, the Pentecostal Victory Life Centre in (laughs) Perth. And Morrison was invited to speak at this event. It's kind of like a special guest for mm. the special yeah, birthday. Yeah, guest speaker. Um, according to Patricia Carvelis, the church is very controversial because, as Bridie said, it was founded by Margaret Court, who has very strong views on the LGBTIQ community, strong as in bad. Yeah, strong as in <laughs> Not anti. strong as in good, strong no. as in anti. Um and Cavella states that she knows many Christians who would not take an invitation to speak at Margaret Court's church. So I thought that was a very, I thought that was a very like powerful quote in the way that she's really being like, this is a bad, like probably a bad decision, a bad church, a bad. But also, decision. I mean, it does kind of line up with him, his beliefs anyway. Yeah, not but just I think it highlights sense, how but. like extreme yeah. religious views and are. And maybe that we didn't see while he yeah. was Prime Minister. Like, it doesn't sound like it's just, like, any old Christian. No, yeah. <laughs> um, so, Sam Hawley and Carvelis has made it clear that this is no ordinary church, um, and as I said, it sounds quite extreme. Um, so, for Scott Morrison to speak here and for this to be his first public appearance after the election loss... Um, at least one that like it's been reported on. The kind of he's first left big his one. house, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it kind of sets a tone for what he mm. will pursue next and like how he wants to be perceived. Yeah, totally. Um, so I don't think that we should like brush it off. I mean, it's Scotty from marketing. Yeah, he would have thought this down to the. You were quite pleased the, with that one. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, no, I he would have thought about it. Thought about There's it. No, like coincidence. Yeah. Here. 
Um, the master campaigner. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so the general gist of the sermon was actually mainly about mental health, um, which we know he's really passionate about. And um, Sam Hawley and Patricia Carvelis were very, like, wanted to state that, like, um, his passion seems genuine and we shouldn't just, you know, be like, oh, like, whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> But where things start to get a bit more interesting is how he associates anxiety with Satan, and that as you pe- do. <laughs> as you as you should know, <laughs> and that people of faith like him aren't anxious about climate change because God has a plan. Kind so of. So did he actually say like we aren't anxious about climate change? Like he did. He name dropped climate change. Yes, wow, he's okay. always at the environment. But okay, yeah, interesting. Um, so this, and this kind of leads further into like where we're going with this, with this idea of like placing governments and institutions in a position of distrust. It's kind of shocking when you hear it from his words. Yeah, um, and the voice of a, you know, someone who we've heard a lot from in the last three years. Mm. We've heard a lot of his speeches. What did you make of it, Bridie, when you heard it? Well, I was just kind of sitting there going, what is he thinking? Like, he's still part of parliament like he is part of not the government but like the functioning of the country like in a you know very senior position Mm. I just kind of I'm not quite clear on the reasoning behind it you know usually when you see someone do something someone you know a politician go out and say something you can understand the reasoning behind it and maybe like the electoral reasons or whatever but it just confuses me yeah, I agree. I think did you did it remind you a bit of like the United States, a bit of oh, like totally. all right. Yeah, just movement that's really progressing. The, yeah, the rise of the religious right, mm. I think is so I mean, I find it really interesting and actually I'm going to talk about that a bit as well in my segment of my next one. Um yeah, the anti-government because of religion movement in America. I don't it hasn't kind of taken as much hold here, but maybe this is the start of it. Who yeah, knows? that's what I was thinking. Do you think, um, do you really think that <laughs> Scott Morrison is trying to engage people like in fear and distrust of government? Or do you think these are kind of just throwaway comments? Because he also mentions the UN. Yeah, I've read the Which UN makes quote it feel well. very like, it very critical, like very critical. And yeah. Kind of does feel like it's a bit fear mongering. It does feel a bit like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, he would have written this, right, this sermon. Like, I don't think it's like he's just making it up on the spot. But sometimes I can imagine him getting a bit carried away. That's true. Do you know what I mean? Like, when you watch his debates and stuff, I feel like sometimes I can imagine him just throwing away some very rash comments. Yeah. No, I do kind of get that. But I also kind of think he didn't do it so much. Like, I feel like Albo, you know, his gaffes is what I'm kind Mm. of thinking of. I feel like while he was, you know, he's campaigning, he didn't have that many kind of um, really, like, overt public kind of miscommunication, if you like. Mm. So, I don't know. I'd be surprised if this was, like, mistaken, I feel like. Mm. Yeah. Right. Um, so, he also goes on to talk about his position in government, and he does state that he thinks government is important in society, how much he went into that, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but he follows it up with this, and I have this quote because I was prepared and with this one in case <laughs> it didn't work. And he, as I quote, he says, but as someone who's been in it, if you are putting your faith in those things, which is government institutions, yeah. 
like I put my faith in the Lord, you are making a mistake. Yeah, it's so dramatic. Why has he created a government that he is Why so he distrustful head of? A government? Of? Yeah, that's why it's in Chisholm. So I was like, wow, this yeah. man is... He's really just turned around and changed his whole tune. I mean, what do you think would have happened if he had won the election? If he was still Prime Minister, what would... I mean, he wouldn't be saying anything like this. Mm. And it brings into question um, kind of um, Sam Hawley and Patricia Carvelis bring, like, kind of link this in with, like, so many his political decisions that he's made are still, like, in our lives. Yeah. And he says that um, Faith has never had anything to do with his politics, but how can we kind of sit here and listen to him to talk like this and think that he wasn't, like, influenced by his politics? And as you said, what would he have done if he won again? Yeah, totally. I don't know. It's just so... I think you can have... He always kind of said... I have a thought in my head that I'm trying to, like, coalesce into it. Um, It was always kind of like you can have a religion, but he brought it very much into his politics. I feel like he did that. Um, Whereas some politicians, maybe they are religious, maybe they do go to church, but they don't make it a thing and Mm. it's not necessarily their prime kind of guiding factor. But he always kind of said stuff like, God made this for me. Like, made this kind of like in his, career. Whatever. Yeah, like, well, his victory speech in Do you know what I mean? I think. Spoke of miracles. Yeah. Um, yeah. A bit more, um, I guess, about how this is going to impact our life now. I'm not so much mm. theorising about the psycholo- psychological state <laughs> of the man himself. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Maybe he's just this... had a breakdown. <laughs> Maybe. Do you think that this sermon will have an impact on how the Liberal Party is perceived? Yeah, honestly, I think so. Because if you see one person, a very prominent person, um, saying stuff like this, you go, well, who else in the Liberal Party thinks this? Mm. You know, Peter Dutton, the leader? I mean, isn't that kind of the same position as being the ex-leader? Not not exactly, obviously, but I mean, how can you... But maybe that's just me being super, super cynical because the Liberal Party is where the kind of Christian... Bases. So, do you think that um, we might see the Liberal Party split, like between the Nationals, because, or do you mean like just I mean like with this liberals? idea of like religion coming into play right. more? Do you like, mean actually you split we'll have, or like just like I sort think of we'll splinter. form a new party? I like don't think new, they'll form like, a new party because I think that would be electoral death. Like there'll be people. Like, you know how they have factions now? Factions, Do you think absolutely there'll be even more faction. of, like, a yeah. divide? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I thought you were talking about, like, an actual well, splitting I kind of did mean an actual, actual split, but, party. like... I don't think that'll happen. But I think definitely the factions will become more and more extreme because there's already the centrist kind of liberal faction. Well, there was, you know, before the last election, we haven't had parliament yet, so... Which is ridiculous. In two months, they haven't done anything. Mm. Um... Yeah, like the centrist people that got voted out by the Teal Independence. Mm. Um, and then the far-right people, the nationals, and the kind of religious hard-right, like George Christensen, who isn't there anymore, I think. I don't think he is, no. I, so. I did an assignment on him. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's not there. <laughs> yeah. I think they'll each become more extreme and more like America. Mm. 
and potentially the UK as well, depending on what happens over there with Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak. Mm. Um, so a spokesperson, we'll finish it off here, so my final point. Uh-huh. Um, a spokesperson for Scott Morrison has said that he will continue to talk about his Christian faith and accept invitations to speak at churches. What do we think, do you think this could mean that these views that he has will become more influential to people, that he wants to kind of carry this on and, like, I honestly lead it have on? no idea. I'm... I don't know. It's just such a strange thing. To, I can't get over how weird it is mm. to turn around from an election and go, I actually hate the government, <laughs> but I still work there. Like, yeah. he, you know, politicians often speak at churches. This isn't uncommon, but it's so weird to, you know, talk smack about your own job. Yeah, <laughs> it is weird. I think, I don't know if it'll make him more influential because it's kind of... Not really. It's not like being going on the news. You know, mm. I feel like that's a bigger audience and it's less private in a sense. Yeah. So I don't know if it'll increase his influence, but it's, yeah, definitely will probably keep him in the news, keep him a bit relevant. Mm. <laughs> Maybe right. that's his way of going back for a tilt at the leadership. Right, take it away, Bridie. All right, so we're going to chat about abortion. Um, we'll start off in America, we'll go, we'll come to Australia. Or will I change it? Actually, let's go Australia first and then we'll go to America because I went a little deeper in America. So over here, it's very disjointed access to abortion between every state. Every state and territory has different restrictions. Access to any sort of abortion services can be basically what they call a postcode lottery. You know, if you live somewhere close, great for you. But if you don't, then you have to suck it up and deal with it. So actually today there's a meeting of state and federal ministers. I'm not sure if this is for every portfolio, but there's one for the Treasury and all the treasurers. There's also one for the ministers for women. Is, um, is this for women's safety? I think so, yeah. yeah. And they've said that abortion can be on the table. Yeah, so it wasn't actually meant to be like about abortion. But mm. Albo said that this morning. That yes, we'll consider putting that on the table if that's what the states want to talk about. So MSI Australia um, is advocating for more protections for abortion and for a more regulated approach um, and for abortion to be added to the Medicare benefits schedule. Mm-hmm. Because can't imagine that happening. Yeah, it's super complex. I don't really get the Medicare kind of stuff. The whole, the whole thing just confuses me a bit. I don't but. know. I've, I... I think I get it, but when you say something's confusing, I'm like, something can't be confusing to bribe you. Maybe I yes, don't it get can. it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot that confuses me. Anyway. I just think that they wouldn't put it on because, well, I presume someone has to go through the legislation and like yeah. pass it, and I just can't yeah. imagine that passing. I mean, they won't even put dental on. Yeah, exactly. They won't even put dental on. How could they put abortion there? Mm. <laughs> um, so Alvo has reinforced that he really wants it to be a state responsibility in Australia. Um, and currently it is under the constitution. It's not like they mention it in the constitution. Maybe I'll bring in some of my last year's legal knowledge in the constitution. There are powers that are just afforded to the Commonwealth, the federal government. There are powers that are just afforded to the states. And then basically everything else it doesn't mention, um, has to be interpreted by the high court. And the high court has said that abortion is a state problem, essentially. I don't get that. So, Yeah. I can't remember what they're all called. There's a name for each of the powers, but whatever. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, so that means that he's said this week that he thinks it should be a state responsibility. Um, but don't you think that's a bit irresponsible? I mean, obviously I understand the Commonwealth can't be responsible for everything, but when it's something so important and fundamentally part of healthcare, uh, shouldn't, you know? I no, just... I think it really should be. Or I think there should at least be some kind of baseline that every state An has to between commit the... to, yeah. and then maybe there can be like differences with specificalities or something. Yeah. But, I mean, it's very complicated, I guess, even to what week you mm. let an yeah, abortion Yeah, every happen. state has a different um, cut-off yeah. and everything. Yeah, so and so, yeah, some are very late. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah. And, and it's then very... how you decide whether something's a medical. Apparently yeah. you have to have five people, like doctors, decide whether something's a, like a medical abortion. Really? Passed by a certain week. Yeah, you have to have like five doctor's approvals. Jeez, Not I sure didn't... which state. Yeah. But I've heard it's like you have to have five opinions That's to like crazy. be like, yes, okay. I did this. not know that. So I also read about a study from the University of Washington in Seattle that found that 190 million women in 2019 were unable to access contraception and 50% of them were in sub-Saharan Africa. So it was actually quite interesting about um, a lot of stats about, you know, who uses contraception and, um, like, who has access and who doesn't. And, mm. I mean, it kind of went into, like, what con- what continents use IUDs, what continents use condoms. I was like, okay, that's probably a little bit more detail than I need. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was interesting to read about the differences between access um, to things like the pill in Africa versus in Asia. Mm. Yeah. There's kind of not really a question to that. I just thought it was a bit interesting. No, it is it is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um anyway, let's move over to America where we are not so positive. No. So obviously we had a leak from the Supreme Court in May that said we're gonna overturn Roe v. Wade. And then you know, a couple of weeks ago, they said we're going to overturn Roe v. Wade officially, and everyone acted shocked. Yes, I remember saying something to my friend in May, and she was like, "Oh, they say that stuff all the time; it won't actually happen." Yeah, and I was kind of like, "I mean, she kind of has a point. I feel like sometimes That's things true. are like, very a lot like fear mongering." Yeah, I was like, mm, "Maybe she is right," and I kind of did just leave. I actually kind of did really go. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Well, I kind of was like, oh, that's quite bad. And then had to kind of just get on with my life. Mm. <laughs> you know, there's only so much you can do. Anyway, it, yeah, it still surprised everyone when they gave the verdict. And now yeah. 60% of the states in the US are trying to or have or like are on the path to outlawing abortion. So on, I think it was Wednesday, pretty sure it was Wednesday, 18 prominent House Democrats got arrested at a peaceful demonstration at the Supreme Court against the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade um, in, you know, on protest, protesting against abor- or for abortion, <laughs> including AOC, Rashida Tlaib, I think that's how you said it, uh, Ilhan Omar and Cori Bush. Um, they just got fined $50 for obstructing like a pedestrian crossing (laughs) but you know it still makes a statement Mm. um 
And so I was listening to a podcast. I was listening yeah. to The Daily yeah. from oh, the New York Times. Lovely. They had Kate Zernicki, um, who's a political reporter on. And so she said she went quite deep into the history of the anti-abortion movement. Um, well, you know, obviously the anti-abortion movement has been around for longer than since 2010. But she thought that the modern day kind of really actively anti-abortion movement properly started in 2010 when an anti-abortion activist shot an abortion doctor in Kansas outside a church. Um, And so that year was a census year in America. It was also a midterms year and the Democrats had control of a lot of state legislatures and um, obviously the presidency. Um, And the Republicans decided that they were going to try and you know, flip a bunch of a few states um, because they obviously there were a lot of Democratic majorities, but they were only by a few seats. They weren't huge. So they were like, OK, we'll give it a shot. You know, we'll try and win the midterms because of the redistricting that's going to happen. They had a win beyond their wildest dreams. I'm, uh, She said they won like 500 seats across the country. Like it was a red wave. It was unbelievable. And then in the next two years... There was, in 2011, there was the biggest rollback of abortion laws since Roe v. Wade was passed. And then in 2012, there were more anti-abortion laws passed than in the previous decade. Like crazy, just super anti-abortion. And so coming back to today, um, it's totally chaotic in America. So like a West Virginia judge blocked a 150-year-old ban on abortion. Mississippi's sold its only abortion clinic, which was actually the one that um, was involved in the case that overturned what row. Um, so access to abortion is completely different everywhere. And obviously this is also going to have really awful effects on miscarriage services, IVF potentially, you know, anything to do with reproductive health care. Mm. So the House of Reps has passed some protections, but they're basically impossible to get through the Senate because of the, um, the filibuster. <laughs> That's a funny word. It is a funny word. Yeah. Um, and polling has showed consistent majorities nationally in favour of abortion being legal. So, I mean, what can we do? Oh, not necessarily over here, but what can they do? What can anyone do, Mimi? I don't know. I'm actually... I, I feel like I can't even get my hands around my hands, my head around America. It's such like, an interest. It's just like an enigma. It is. It's so, so divided. It's so polarized. And like. But they still have this such weird, strong patriotism. Mm. It feels like. Well, it feels like the. It feels like the. I mean, I'm. I mean, I might be over exaggerating a bit for, for us, but it feels like, f- at least to a certain extent, the way that our <laughs> government is formed does represent each kind of opinion of each different group of Australians. Like, it feels yeah, quite equally it's more represented. Whereas in America, it feels like there is, is all these, just this, these Republicans kind of very archaic the high rules. court and stuff, and it doesn't feel like it represents mm. the actual country. Yeah, and the lifetime Like, with the public polling, you things. were saying, people obviously want to not have abortion be illegal. Yeah. But it just feels like none of the people who can make that happen actually represent. Yeah, those well, because these seven and people on the high do? court, and three of them were appointed by Trump, I think. Mm. Is that right? Yeah, I think it is. Brett Kavanaugh, 
Amy Coney Barrett and one more. And that last woman. Yeah. Was yeah everyone was very upset about. I forgot. Anyway. Um, you know, they're all the it's a conservative majority court. Mm. Um and they have all the power. I know. It's just so it doesn't make sense that these unelected, entirely unelected people sure they get through the Senate, you know, they have to go through the hearings, but the hearings seem kind of symbolic rather than meaningful. Mm. Like it's kinda like a box checked. Yeah, exactly. I guess, like, we were just talking about distrust in government. Yeah. And this has kind of made me really reflect that I actually guess I do have a trust in our government. Because I can't yeah. imagine, like... I just can't imagine... I just... Uh, I don't know. I just can't imagine, like, being in America and then having that be the way. Yeah, I think there's more, way more distrusting. I think it's a much bigger problem over there than mm. it is here. But what's I mean, that's weird. not to say that I'm not, like, cynical and kind of critical of the government. No, I think we're critical of the government, but yeah. it just made me think that, like, I mean, listen to us on our show, <laughs> but I just think it made me kind of go, wow, I actually do really, like... There is a level a of, of kind of fundamental... Yeah, and then when something's not working, it's kind of like, well, we, we can... can't fix it. Like, there's, yeah. it just feels... And yeah. what's weird is that it's, like, the religious the religious right movement who has having this distrust in governments, but they're the one who have, like, the people that they want in the highest places anyway. True. So, like, why are they distrusting it? Because it shouldn't be them who have a problem with the government. Very At true. least in America. Yeah. No, it's just... So, like, well, yeah. I don't understand what their game is. Like, they're literally getting what they want. They get what they want, and like, then they're still like, I hate the government. I, hate I the mean, government. I guess they didn't get Trump, but, like... But, I mean, they have everything else. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, they'll... I think that the Democrats will fail horribly in the midterms this I year. I think they will too. I mean, I got a little notification saying, oh, maybe they won't do as badly as they thought. And I'm like, that still means that they're doing badly. <laughs> I think, like, the only reason, well, not the only reason, but I think one of the main reasons that Trump did get out is because he was just such a polarising figure. Mm. Whereas I think if they just got, like, a normal, I say in quotation yeah. marks, Republican leader in, I think they would get voted in quite easily. I yeah. think it was more the idea of, like, I we just need to just get Trump out. We need out to get rid of Trump. Rather than, we don't want a Republican. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, that's the reasoning behind having Joe Biden rather than Bernie Sanders, because Joe Biden would take the moderates that were disaffected by Trump and just wanted an alternative, whereas Bernie Sanders would kind of alienate them. Mm. That's what they say, anyway. Mm. But... I don't know. I mean, America, it's just so... I think that them not having compulsory voting is probably kind of the start of the end for the trust in their system because it just means that no matter what happens, it's not truly representative. Yeah, you're so right. And I would just love to know... Well, I would love to know how many people wouldn't have bothered to vote here Mm. this section if we didn't have compulsory voting because I reckon there would have been heaps. Heaps. We're such a kind of laissez-faire I think country. we are a bit lazy. Yeah. Um, we're lazy. <laughs> Criticize, we are slackers. Just calling ourselves out. Yeah. I think we're a bit lazy. No, um, I do. Um, I think Coles were so slack. You know, if there wasn't compulsory voting, we just wouldn't vote. Yeah. There'd be like three people in the whole country that voted. It'd be you, me, and George. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. Um, yeah. I've kind of 
gone on. We've gone into yeah, a little bit of a tangent, of it, but, but yeah, it's still interesting. It still is interesting, and I just, I also feel for the doctors. Mm, Imagine absolutely. having to work in the medical industry and feeling so passionate. And Any so, woman, really. Yeah. And, and just not being so able to perform of, something that yeah, being like, is so, you know, necessary. And yeah, the decision, the moral decision job. you'd mm-hmm. have to make. Oh, totally. It's so hard. All right. So that's the end of our show today. Yeah. Do you have any is. final thoughts? I love that show. No, yeah, that was pretty fun. Um, yeah. Do I have anything else? Not really. Sending our thoughts and prayers to George in the yeah. mud. <laughs> in the mud at Splendor. I haven't heard from him. I'm actually going to text you him. Me neither. Yeah, this. let's send him a message and see what he says. And be like, yeah. How, how wet are you currently? <laughs> On a scale of one to ten. I hope he bought gumboots. Yeah. I wonder if he came back. Nah, probably wouldn't have come back. I reckon he'd committed. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a he's committer, a committer kind of out, guy. George. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so as always, guys, um, you can listen to our episode, if you've missed us live, on Spotify and Omni. Um, and you can also catch us on our socials on Twitter um, at Represent and Instagram and Facebook, although we're not as not active on those. We should go back on them. We should. We really mm, should. We really should. All right, guys, so up next is... Amplify <laughs> and remember to stay, stay political. You've been listening to a Sin Media podcast where young people run the show.